You are now tuned in to the Let's Talk Money Honey podcast, a bi-weekly conversation where I'll be spilling the tea on entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Khadija Bingham, CEO of Money Honey Financial, and I am here to candidly share my experience as a new entrepreneur. Whether you are currently an entrepreneur, someone who's considering entrepreneurship, or just interested in hearing my journey, I am here to encourage, motivate, and most of all, keep it real with you. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I cannot wait for you to listen. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Money, Honey. Very excited for this guest because this person is a friend and a client of mine. And I think this is the first client I've had on. So yeah, so that's exciting. So today we have with us Mr. Rocky Collins of Collie Handsome. What's up? I'm so excited for this conversation because if you know me, you know I like to talk. If you know Rocky, you know you know Rocky likes to talk. I do. <laughs> and what is special about the both of us is that we are both so transparent. Rocky does not gatekeep information. No. He just literally has always, at least to me in my life, has been a helpful resource since college. Mm-hmm. Like I remember having conversations when we were in college. I ran into wow. Rocky once. So me, so backstory, me and Rocky went to school together. Yeah, child. shout out to Penn State. Shout out to Penn State, we are. And uh, he was sitting in Smeal, and I think this was around the time you either were about to go into your American Eagle internship mm. or just finished it. And it was like so heading into senior year. And you just like literally just gave me so much game. Oh. And like you have been giving game since day one. So I, yeah. I appreciate that. Um, so I'm excited for this conversation. I'm excited too. Thank you so much for being here. And for the listeners, thank you so much for tuning in with me every other week. So we're going to kick it off how we always kick it off. Rocky, before I let you introduce yourself to everybody, Mm. I just want to know, give us a sweet moment that you've had recently or overall in entrepreneurship. Um, I mean, a sweet moment I had recently, I got a manicure today. Period. And uh, I mean, I don't know about anybody else, but like manicures to me, that's like such a peaceful Zen time. My hands are occupied, so I can't use my phone. I can't Mm -hmm. talk on my phone. It's just me getting pampered, getting clean, getting suave. Mm -hmm. You look suave too, yo. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I try. But um, yeah, that was today. And that was it was a great hour. How often do you get manicures? When I'm in the swing of things, about like once every two weeks. When I was in LA, it was every ten days. For real? Yeah, it was. It was to the point where like my nails started getting a little like jacked up because it's like it was just too frequent, oh, like the shit. gel and all the clear gel and all that type of stuff. But yeah, about like once every two weeks. But I mean, lately I've been in such a swing with like setting everything up before I, I move abroad. So it's been like once every like three, four weeks because yeah. I just ain't really been thinking about it yeah like right right. just haven't really been thinking about it no that's fair because i asked that because lately i've been feeling like certain things that used to feel like self-care has started Mm. to feel like maintenance oh like that happens it's like damn like oh and i love my nail tech that's my Mm. girl her name is khadija i can't wait to have her on here she's phenomenal we always have great conversations Mm. but trying to find the time to fit it in my schedule sometimes what usual what used to feel like 
relaxing just now feels like check check the box like yeah, i gotta yeah, okay yeah. my nose is they growing out i need to go get it done like like oh like i gotta go get it waxed oh i gotta go get my my inch trim you just gotta Those get things. it sometimes you just gotta put things on pause for a little yeah. bit like if anything starts becoming like a chore i'm just like it's okay to take a break right that's true. And I'll come back in a few months where I'm like, damn, I want my manicure again. Right, <laughs> like, right, right. Damn. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm quick to put things on pause, like, for sure. No, that's fair. All right, sour moment. Oh, sour moment. So, you know, I'm about to move to South Korea. Okay, yo, Rocky's about to move to South Korea. <laughs> he believe in us and he's going I so am. far as shit. I know literally the other side of the globe, but I had found an apartment about like a month ago that was like my dream apartment. And when I followed up like last week or the week before, it was taken. Oh, shit. So granted, I'll still obviously find another apartment that was meant to be. Another place yet? Well, because the way like I found the places, but I'm not willing to pay or commit to anything until I see it in person and so the problem I'm having now is like it's kind of like finding an apartment in New York when you see something you even contact the realtor and then you go to check in maybe like a few days later and they're like oh sorry it's gone right so I'm at the point now where like I have listings set up to go view them starting next week when I'm there that's real but I mean at this point it's like I'm not paying my money until I see it and since I'm not paying my money like they're not committed to holding those right units right so that was kind of like a sour moment because I had so much planned like I I planned out the content that I was going to shoot in different areas like because I saw where the lighting was it was like partially furnished already too so I was like great I ain't got to get a bed like there was just so much about it that I was just like oh this is it just feels like me and like, find something better. I'll find the one that was meant to be. Yeah, you'll find the one that was meant to be, and it'll be better for you yeah. than this space. Yeah. One thing I'm really learning is that, like, it's true what the old folks be saying when they're like, when one door closes, so something else can open up. Let me tell you. Because that'd be real. It'd be real. I mean, and maybe it's just about perspective. Like, mm. maybe it's just us getting comfortable with, like, doors closing. But yeah. I've found that to be true for my life. For sure. Yeah. I'm like, sometimes it's like the perspective, but like, nah, that's like a real thing of like, yo, like when I think about this time last year, I almost took a job at Urban as a senior buyer, Urban Outfitters right here in Philly. Almost took a six figure salary with them. This is nice too. You would have had fun. I saw. But the thing is like, had I took that job, I wouldn't have been able to like really pour into Cali Handsome at that Mm -hmm. time with my full capacity. And what happened when I didn't get that job? I got that accelerator with Slauson and Cove that was like very intensive and required a lot of me, which led to so much growth for the company. Right. So it was like, had I took that job at Urban, like you wouldn't have been able. Yeah. Like I might have got accepted to the accelerator, but like I wouldn't have been able to be so dialed in like I was. And like I ended up running like going to meet them at South by Southwest, like all those sort of I wouldn't have gone to South by Southwest if I would have taken that job at Urban. So, yes, perspective, but it's. A real thing, too. Like, that urban door closed, and I was able to take advantage of other doors that I didn't even know were, like, around the corner. Yeah. No, that's real. I'm going to hop into my sweet moment really quick. So, I just received a grant, and it's like... We love grants. We love we love free money, <laughs> we right? We love free And money. I wish that it was in January and not December so that I can spend it all before it gets taxed. But... Oh, dang. You know, I'm going I'm gonna to get creative with it. Yeah. Here. 
Um, I would have never even thought about the tax. See, you do this because right? you I know. Too. I would have been like, oh, this is good money. I can spend 10 grand. Y'all send it to me on January 1st, please. Because yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can spend it for sure. So grant money um, is taxed. Mm-hmm. So yeah, grant money is taxed. It is not taxed. I should know this. Yeah. But I rely on you to do that. Yeah, yours is yours is theirs. We don't show it on your on your profit and loss. It's showed at the bottom. Oh, um, well. but it's other income that is taxed. Uh, so yeah, I'm super excited about the grant because it came at the most perfect time, mm. and it was a different grant process than I'm used to because. After I submitted my application, they set up a call to speak with me mm. and uh, they pretty much was like, what you going to do with the money? Mm. And I was honest with them. And I'm like, look, as a business owner, one thing that I'm learning is that you sometimes have to make decisions that don't make sense on paper yet. And you have to make decisions that don't make sense on paper with the foresight that like it was the best decision and it's going to, it's going to look good on paper later. Yes. Right. And I'm like, yes. and I just made one of those, two of those decisions. And I just had somebody start last week full time. And I had somebody start part time until January and I switched over full time. So you giving me this money is going to allow me to keep yeah. them, in them in their seats. Yeah. <laughs> and it just also kind of felt like confirmation that mm. the decisions that I were, I was making was right. Because mm. one thing I'm learning is that like, and I always, felt this way and just in life um that like god is going to provide but i think it feels like it feels different now because it's like it's a different level level. (laughs) it's like damn like it's a different level here like i ain't i ain't fall yet and like even when i feel like it's getting close something happened and then that was something me. that was like this so that that feels really sweet to me. Yeah. I love that. Thank you. I know. And I'm I'm happy that you were like honest with them about like what you're using it for. Because honestly, that's probably why they gave it to you. Maybe. I that's hope so. probably why they like, gave it to she you. She need this so the business can keep yeah. running. <laughs> but it's also like, yo, you employing people, like yeah. there's I mean, there's no from like their standpoint, I would think there's probably no better use. For grant money, if it was investment money, that's different. But for grant money, there's probably no better use than somebody being like, hey, I'm using this to employ people. Right, right. And it's like, I'm not even using this to employ people in the future. It's like, yeah, yeah, people right now. People just started and they yeah. get paid next week. Yeah. And uh, like, that's how I'm, I'm using this money. Somebody send me 10 grand. Right. I need a grant. I need to put some people on payroll. Right. We do. So, like, if y'all know about the grants, send them our way. Let us know. No, 100%. Literally, let us know. Let me know. And in my sour moment. Yeah, what's going on? What happened? I don't know. I don't I don't know. I feel like. Which is a great thing yeah. as well. I don't. Maybe I don't have a sour moment for this episode. Um, Which I think could be a great thing, too, yeah. because it's like. Because it also could just speak to the fact that, like, maybe sour moments are, are happening, but you're so focused on, like, the things that you right. can control and right. the positives that, like, you just, like, in one ear, out the other right. on those things. You just r- rolled off the shoulder. Yeah, like, I've been on the high, like, these last couple of weeks. That's um, good. And that's okay, too. Yeah. Like, I, you know, sometimes when you're just like, yo, things are too good. Like, what's about to happen? Like, something bad about right. to happen because things have been too good. We don't need to be like that. Like, right. 
you can it's okay to just be happy because when it's because when you're down you're down because when you're down you are down kick <laughs> stump on like a-town stump kurt franklin stump on your back like when you are down you are down especially in entrepreneurship so it's like when you have moments of highs like hold on to them and just even if you don't do nothing else just enjoy them because you don't know if it's gonna last a month a week a day an hour just hold on to the good moment like listen you'd be like yo everything is great you get an email 45 minutes later and you're just like oh my god my world is over my world is ending like you know what i mean so it's like it's okay to just be riding that high riding that good space and just hold on to it as much as possible and like if nothing sour immediately pops to your mind like i wouldn't even go through the exercise of like trying to (laughs) i ain't even gonna think about it yeah so with that tell us about you about me, which y'all want to know? Everything. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. What's up, everybody? I'm Rocky Collins. I am the founder and CEO of Cali Handsome mm-hmm. Cosmetics for Men. Um, right now, we focus on uh, hair loss and beard fillers for, like, your beards, your hairlines, get you laced, all of that good stuff. Um, Yeah. What... How did you get there? How did I get to Cali Handsome? I mean, I think for me... I was always like a retail person Mm -hmm. and I didn't know what the job of a buyer was until college, but I always like worked in a mall when I was in high school, that type of stuff. And then after like one of the career fairs at Cali Handsome, when I bumped into the American Eagle recruiters, Mm -hmm. that's when I first found out that like buying was a thing. And I'm like, yo, there's people who get paid to like develop the products that we buy in stores. Mm -hmm. Like there's a job that says we should offer that shirt in that color during that month. Mm -hmm. Sign me up. Once I did that first internship, like, you couldn't tell me that I wouldn't become like the global brand president for American Eagle or another like um, retail company, mm-hmm. CPG company, consumer product, good company. That was like literally what I thought my life's <laughs> goal direction would be. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of like following that. So after college, moved to Pittsburgh where American Eagle's headquarters yeah, was. And Rocky was Ooh. like, I'm only going to be in Pittsburgh for a year and then I'm moving to New York. And I was only there for four months. <laughs> I like, and literally after that first month, I went to HR and was like, "Y'all know I love y'all. Y'all know I rock with y'all, but I can't be here. Like Pittsburgh does not work for me." And I know they had the um, design office in New York at the time, which is where they like switched me to. And it's like, "But you have to work on women's wear." I don't care. <laughs> like, Sign me up. This dark place. Yeah. And then like while in New York. It was weird because I loved my job. Like, I had a dream job, but I also noticed that I was, like, started to drag my feet to work, like, off the subway. Mm. And so, like, it just, I knew there was some sort of fulfillment thing that wasn't working. Mm. And then also around that time, I had started taking acting classes at night with Tamara, our other homegirl who went to Penn State, um, and just really getting into, like, that sort of like world and I think for me like there's some people who got into acting who like always wanted to be actors always wanted to be x y and z it's crazy because I forget about that part of my life so much but I think for me it was really a self-exploration sort of thing like I was so gung-ho about like the professional sides of me that I never really explored the personal sides of me even when you talk about like dating and sexuality and all that type of stuff like I was so buttoned up as a kid and even as a teenager and even in college as a young young adult that like when I was in New York and 
trying to like figure out self-identity and all those sort of things like acting was that thing that was helping me do that it was helping me explore yeah because like when you really do the work of like studying acting and how to build characters and all that like it's a lot of inner work and going deep into like use your imagination to put yourself in like certain situations but like you really have to tap into different parts of you but like the real parts of you not like what you try to polish to make it seem like on social media or whatever but like how do you really feel in in a situation like this what do you really think about certain things but yeah so it's like that was such a explorative time in my life and I remember just being like dragging my feet to work so I'm like look I have a dream job but it doesn't feel like my dream job right now so like I need to pivot one thing about me, as you know, I always pivot yeah. when I feel like that sort of urge to. Yeah, like I was excited to hang with you when I moved to New York, and then the I know her <laughs> first weekend there was like your last weekend. Yeah, like and I was out, <laughs> and then so from there I left there, went to LA, and when I went to LA, my main focus there in the beginning was all like TV hosting. When I was on Revolt, mm-hmm. um, shout out to Courtney Neal, our other classmate from Penn mm-hmm. State, who was executive producer there. And, like, literally, I texted her before I got on my flight to L.A., like, hey, I'm actually moving. I'm getting on my flight now. By the time I landed, I had a response from her being like, hey, we're about to launch a new show. Can you come to the studio in two days to, like, screen test or whatever? And I was supposed to just be, like, be, like, a stand-in or Mm fill-in. But, like, after the screen test, they were like, oh, do you actually want to be, like, a cast member on the show? That's how I got on Revolt Live. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so, like, in L.A., focused on, like, the entertainment industry at first. Like, retail wasn't, like, a thing at so all. you, like, was, like, freelancing pretty much. Like, you weren't working. Yeah, in- no. Like, when I first got there, yeah, no. Really when I first got there, I wasn't working at all. I was just doing Revolt, which also, I was not getting paid for it. Oh, you weren't getting paid? No. It's crazy in the entertainment world. There's so many people that you think are probably balling that are, like, getting the scraps. And there's even some people that you, that are doing work on screen that are not getting paid at all. I was one of those people who were on screen that were not getting paid at all. I did it because it opened up a lot of doors. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I did it because it, like, opened doors. It gave me footage for a reel. And it also was, like, gave me a lot of credibility to have, like, Diddy's name and Diddy's network behind me. But well, I didn't work at all. From this crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's that. <laughs> but yeah, I didn't work at all. And then eventually, I started like had to get a job, mm-hmm. and I started like all the jobs that you would think people do <laughs> or when they try to act. I tried to work at a restaurant. Serving didn't work for me, so I tried to work at the front desk. I didn't serving work for you. I just first off, it's just I, I'm a people person, but I'm not a people pleaser. And I think to be a part of like a serving staff or any sort of hospitality role, the customer is always right. Mm-hmm. And the customer is not always right. Mm-hmm. And like, regardless, the way you treat people matters to me. And, you know, people aren't always the nicest, especially yeah. when it comes to like food staff, even the people, the, the hostess at the front, like, yo, you've been waiting for 45 minutes. Yo, where my table going to be right? Uh-uh. Right. This ain't that. Okay. <laughs> like, we're not doing that. Um, I drove Uber. When I was there for a little bit, that was like an awful experience. It wasn't good. No. No. I mean, having a whole bunch of random people in your car and then also just like those people also weren't nice. I did Uber for like 30 seconds at Penn State. Yeah. It was like it's your first year Uber was around. I didn't like it at all. And then also you think you control the hours that you Uber, but then you really don't mm-hmm. because everybody wants the surge pricing. Mm-hmm. 
So you're going to work when they put on search pricing. So then you end up working the hours that Uber wants you to work because these are the only hours that they're offering search pricing. So it's like you don't really. Looking at the map to see where it was red. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So um, and then for the most of my time, though, I worked at a gym. I worked at one of the Equinoxes in L.A. That was like the longest job I had because I used to do that when I was still doing all those other jobs. Okay. Because, of course, like the name of the game in L.A. is like a mixed match of like part time jobs. Okay. When you in entertainment. But at some point, I just was like, I was tired of like auditioning and waiting for somebody to say yes to me. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, what? I'm going to produce my own projects. And that's when I decided to get back into working full time. Initially, with the thought process to go back to work, to get money, to film my own projects. Okay. But once I started getting back into work, I think the first job. What was the first retail job I got into? I think it was like a fast fashion brand called Akira of Chicago. I opened up their L.A. buying office. Oh, that's cool. I just bought a pair of um, boots from them. Yeah. Can't stand them. <laughs> Can't stand them. We want to talk about cheap. We want to talk about cheap. Not like the clothing, which that's cheap too, but like just the way they treat their people. But anyway, did Akira of Chicago on like a short contract, and then... um I took an assignment at L'Oreal, which opened up my eyes to like the beauty world. Yeah. And cosmetics. And before that, I was working on their men's brand. And before that, like I didn't really know, like I was always in a skincare and all that type of stuff, but I didn't know how much money was in that and like what the margins were like in that. Cause I came from the apparel side of retail. I didn't know like cosmetic margins are just great. Like, I mean, you know my margins, so, like... That shit is, like... Yeah, so it's, like, I was, like, wow. That is really what put the bug in my ear. And then when I got to the point where I'm, like, okay, cool. I see how much opportunity is in the space here, and I see how many brands are, like, not servicing people that, like, look like me. I'm going to go forward and do it myself. And that also was before Bevel launched. So it was, like, we really didn't have anything in the market that was, like, catered towards, like men of color um but i also knew that i didn't want to start developing my products while working for l'oreal because i didn't want any sort of like want them to be like we own it exactly any sort of like legal issues so that's when i left l'oreal and went to guest okay while i started developing cali handsome um and then yeah at guest like i mean again going back to my goal was like just to be a global brand president in like a buying capacity so i like even at that point this was still your goal once you yeah to guess yeah because once i when i knew i wanted to launch cali handsome i didn't know how big i was going to take it okay. so but what happened to funding your own projects like filming projects though like that just went out the water it when l'oreal you was like hold up yeah like t- yes literally mm. and again i mean like i i say this all the time like i never been afraid to pivot and I never keep myself trapped into like, well, I said I was going to do this. I need to hold on to that thing. Because mm. sometimes just following that thing, the only purpose of that thing in the first place was to introduce you to your next step. Mm. And I think me having that bug to like, let me go back to work full time to like fund my own film projects. That's what I thought mm. was going to happen. But in reality, all that was for my path was to get me to L'Oreal so I can be introduced to the world of cosmetics. Mm. 
So it's like it's crazy how like the the steps align for you when you don't even see them align in that way. But yeah, once I got the L'Oreal and started like seeing opportunity there, like I don't even remember when the shift happened. But at some point, I stopped thinking about film at all. And I think part of it too is like because I I enjoy business. I love what I do. I love the sport of business. And so once I got that taste back in my mouth at L'Oreal, I was like, oh, I love this. Like. Mm-hmm. The film shit was fun. It's it's, like, that was ghetto. <laughs> film life was fun. It served a purpose in my life. The entertainment industry did. It helped me so much personally in my self-discovery of who I am. But, like, it's not the path that I wanted for me. And I recognized that once I got back into corporate, just how much more fulfilled I was by being in corporate. Like, corporate can be very fulfilling. It really can. It can be. And I was so fulfilled. So, like, yeah, once I got the L'Oreal, I stopped thinking about film altogether. And then once I got to guess... I was developing Cali Handsome, but it was kind of like a project, like a side project sort of thing. Um, and then, like, honestly, I remember doing, like, $500 a month being like, oh, this is great. Coming into work, telling my coworkers, like, yeah, like, I mean, I just paid it. I just paid my cell phone bill. I just paid my utilities. <laughs> like, yo, we good. People leaving product reviews. They love the skincare, whatever. Like, yo, this is game. Um but then at some point, like, I got really aggressive and passionate about it. Mm. And I wanted, because I saw, like, how I didn't have to try hard for people to love the product. Mm. I didn't have to try hard for people to, like, want to come back. Mm. Like, yes, you had to get people to, like, try it in the first place. Mm-hmm. But once they tried it, they was hooked. Yeah, so I was like, yo, there's really something here. Like, I actually do know what I'm doing. And like, and then just to talk about the evolution a little bit. So you intro saying like cosmetics, right? Oh yeah. But you started off. With, I mean, I guess we started off at the skincare, skincare. But yeah, but we started transition from like thinking about the products that you were offering to yeah. taking away products, adding additional products. How was that? Yeah. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. We started as a skincare company, and at this point, like, we don't offer skincare at all. We are, like, a full cosmetics company, like, cosmetics only, not the skincare side at all. I think, like, when I first, because I came from a corporate background, when I first launched Cali Handsome, there was a lot of, oh, let me do what I think a men's grooming brand should be, like, what I think people would want, what I think people would adopt. There was a lot of that in the beginning from like the content that we shot, from the marketing, from even the products. And like for me, I've always been into skincare, but also cosmetics, like a little like concealer here and there, like all of that sort of stuff. Did you were you always into cosmetics or was it like the entertainment life? Entertainment life, for sure. So but before that, you no, not really. Like I was always into skincare, but not like cosmetics until like you get in the entertainment world in L.A. and you just like, you know. Even before going on Revolt on the talk shows, like all of the guys who are like on live TV or all that, even the hoodest of rappers that came, everybody was in a makeup chair before we went on camera. Everybody. And so like, yeah, that was like the first time of being like, dang. So, okay, so people are in a makeup chair before they go on live TV. But you also think that people like those same people are throwing on some makeup before they go out? Or do you think it's like specific to live tv bright lights like what does that look like for entertainers in cosmetics i think being on camera introduces everyone to it okay but after that after that people want to get that look because what what starts to happen is right 
you start being like, dang, I love the way like my skin looks so clear. Like I look so fresh. I look so good. Now you're just like, oh, when's my next day that I'm going to be on set? Okay, cool. Let me plan to like take Instagram photos after because I'm going to be looking like peak. I'm going to be looking like my perfect peak moment or whatever. That is usually what happened. And I think A-Rod, Alex Rodriguez even said it when he like launched his collaboration with Hems where they did concealer sticks. And he's like, look, I loved being on camera at ESPN and I used to love the way I was so fresh looking when I would be on camera that I would try to stack my other meetings on the days that I would film. And then it just hit him one day. It was like, I don't have to wait till I film to look like this. this. Yeah. So I think, yes, being on camera introduces guys to it, at least in the entertainment world in in L.A. where you're just like, damn, like I look fly as shit. But then after that, once you realize, like, damn, I can look like this whenever I want if I learn how to do it myself. Mm. That is, like, where I got to. So it was, like, in L.A. Mm. and But, like, even when I launched Cali Handsome, like, I just didn't feel like guys would be ready for that. Mm-hmm. I knew, I mean, I didn't even really know they would be fully ready for skincare. Yeah. But I knew that would be an easier adoption okay. than, like, cosmetics. And so that's why we launched with, like, the skincare. But, like, as good as skincare was... Everything changed when I started being, like, authentic to, like, me, my taste, my preferences, even with our marketing. Like, when the pandemic hit after Cali Intimate launched, like, nobody could get products because we couldn't get, like, plastic containers from China. So the only thing we could focus on was just, like, talking to our audience on social media and marketing. And because a lot of it was, like, off-the-cuff stories and, like, I would just, like, do it myself, I started to see, like, yo, people actually fucked with or, like, vibed with the content that was more authentic to me mm. over the like stuff that I was like spending so much time or money paying these guys on Fiverr and Upwork to create like these things that like looks like what a corporate brand should look like. Mm. It was the things that were like my day to day or like right. what I cared about or whatever. And so like that was the turning point of realizing that like the strength of Callie Hansen was the authenticity of me. Mm. And then things just kind of like snowball from there so even when it came to like products i started being like super um transparent about everything that i was doing in my grooming routine from like the skincare which was all cali handsome but then there were other things that like you know cali handsome doesn't have an eye cream like all that sorts of stuff and even when i laced my beard and that was like the turning point where people started responding to like oh i was like lining my beard okay yeah like with like a sort of like eyebrow pencil type of thing Uh um I mean, it. what I started using was, like, one of my homegirls, like, eyebrow pencil, but, like, our beard hair is kind of, like, longer, and, and it just kept breaking. So I was just, like, doing a whole mix of a whole bunch of things to get my beard, like, filled in and lined up. Okay. But, like, a lot of guys started asking me, and like, yo, no offense, bro, but, like, two hours ago you posted <laughs> at the gym, and your beard was, like, patchy and all that. But now you're going out to dinner at Catch LA, and, like, your beard is perfect. How are you doing that? And that's when I just started asking on my story, like, yo, if I put out a product to help y'all get, like, a super crisp lineup and a super filled-in beer whenever you want to, like, would you buy it? How if much would you pay for it? Be like, hairline. Yeah, or even, like, line up on your beard, like, okay. a, you know, the shape up on your beard or whatever. And, like, so the beard pencil was completely Instagram-driven. Like, they asked for it. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. they asked for it. And so that's when I started developing that. And, like, once I dropped that product... It was just like... Yeah, then you saw the margins. Yeah, it changed the game. And it also became our number one bestseller like within the first 30 days that it launched. Damn. More profitable products. 
and again, it go, it takes me back to like the authenticity of me is like I'm into cosmetics. I love using cosmetics products to enhance my look, and I'm so unapologetic about that. Mm. Why did I think I needed to like? not hide that but why did i feel like i needed to not lean into that for my company but like once i leaned into that that's when like everything changed Damn. and like here we are like the beer pencil launched in 2021 in january and like with maybe like a year and a half later we like discontinued skincare altogether yeah. just because the cali or just because the cosmetics were like such a bigger part of it but yeah, and now the goal, the plan is to introduce more cosmetics because then now the next question. Yeah, are, you, are we stopping it? Nah, because now the guys are asking more. for more. What are they asking? Which for? is crazy. Because, like they're asking for more like cosmetic products without even knowing that they're asking for cosmetics products. So it was interesting. Is like because with our like hairline and beard products, we got guys used to spending an extra five minutes in the bathroom mm-hmm. in the morning to like filling their hairlines, filling their beards, like get that perfect crisp look. They're so used to doing that that now they're like, oh, what else don't I like about my appearance that I can fix? So then they'll DM us or email us and it's like, hey, bro, like, do you have something that can cover this scar or like cover these bags under my eyes? Like I was up all night making a presentation, but I need to go into work looking like I slept. Like they're asking for tinted moisturizers. They're asking for under eye concealers without even knowing that they're asking for it. And that's why I like the the genius, if I would use that word about Callie Handsome, is like we found a way to be a trusted source for guys to yeah, get like into cosmetics. Like, and it's like a very safe, safe space. space. Yeah. yeah. So we found a way to service guys with cosmetics in a way that they understand that really is applicable to them. Mm-hmm. Not like other people just taking like women's makeup products and putting it in a black bottle and then slapping for men on it and being like, oh, guys can use this, guys can do that. Nah, like we literally are putting out solutions and products for guys that are attacking like their pain points. Like when a dude's hairline starts to recede, that is a pain point. Like you are looking for a product that you can like hide that. Like you can fill in your hairline, but also trust that it's not going to, go off when somebody touches it or if it rains outside it's gonna drip like you don't yeah so with our like because i've been through those experiences like i started losing my hair when i was like 21 really even in college but it really started going when i was like 22 and 23 and it was completely gone by the time of 24 and so like because i've been through those experiences i know what it's like when your corners start going first and then the center of your hairline starts going all of these, I, I know exactly what that feels like, and I know exactly what you need a product to do. Like, I need this to look like real hair. I need it to not come off if I'm kissing somebody. Right. I need it to not come off if I'm having a one-night stand and I sleep on somebody's pillow and then I wake up and my beard's on a pillow. I don't need that. Like, I knew exactly what guys that are dealing with that insecurity need. And so I developed a product. That's real, because if I'm having a one night stand and I find his beard on my pillow, or his hairline on your pillow, you know, like, <laughs> what, what happened? <laughs> exactly. So it's like, it's crazy. Something like, I guess, was, was just kind of came to my mind now. Something that was such a painful insecurity of mine, I was able to like flipped that and it became the biggest driver of my career now in the best way 
That's rude. Like losing my hair at such a young age and trying to find ways to cover up the insecurity of balding. Mm. And then I don't have a full beard unless I fill it in. So it's like, damn, I don't have a hairline. I at least got to have a full beard. Like all of that crazy mental stuff that I went through led to me finding ways to fix those for myself, which then led to me being able to do that for all the other guys out there, which has led to me building this conglomerate company um Callie Handsome so it's like crazy like talk about like finding like purpose and passion out of pain like that's like literally the man if I could if anybody was to ask me like y'all want to start a business but like I don't know where to get started I would say like the most successful or like the best chances that you probably would have is like look internally at your own life what are like the biggest either insecurities or pain points or problems that you don't have find a way to solve those things Mm -hmm. first like I know some people sit in a room is like oh let's think of like 10 business ideas today and eventually we'll find one that's yeah nah that's that's for the birds I don't think people I think sometimes like I've oh my god my boyfriend has his friend and he just always got a business idea and I'm like, he just yep. wants to be a business owner. He doesn't want to solve a problem. When it's ghetto here, like, why would you want to do this? <laughs> what is why it, would you want to do what this? What is it about this that you desire so bad? Because I don't, me no. seat, I'm like, damn. Let me tell you, if I would have known, it's almost like pledging. It's like, if I would have known what it was like before <laughs> I got started, I probably wouldn't have <laughs> did it. Like, yeah, it's ghetto here. I don't understand. I don't really understand. So tell me, what like what does that mean? Like, is entrepreneurship not what you thought it would be? No, there's literally, honestly, if I'm, if I really think about it, I don't think there's anything about entrepreneurship that is what I thought it would be like. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, I was in a small college of business at Penn State. Like, I, I've been in a world of business for so long, from like an academic technical background and also like a professional from a corporate standpoint and like entrepreneurship and building a business yourself is completely different from what, what I thought it would be. That you thought it would be that it's not? Um, I think the number one thing is like, you think that you have ownership over your time when mm. it's like, mm. can you tell can, that's half true, but it's really more than half not like, true. Do you have People are like, yeah, I want to be an entrepreneurship. I want to like work on my own time. I want to have my own time. Like that is not true unless you have another income source. If you're if you're preneur or your business or your company is your main source of income, then I don't want to say you're a slave to the company, but you kind of are because you if are. if you need the company to grow to a certain point, there's going to be a certain amount of work and hours that you just have to put in. So it's like you don't own that time. It's like you want to be a business owner, right? Like yes. that's the difference. Like, yes. Now if I can invest in somebody else that's the now that's different. Now you can sit back and chill. Now you can own your time, and I can own my time. But until we get to that point, exactly. that's not what entrepreneurship. At least that's not what entrepreneurship is for us right now, right? It's like, not what entrepreneurship yeah. is. It's not what entrepreneurship not is. A com- like building a company, yeah, and then already having the money to invest in a company, yeah very different shit so that's why i'm like i think that was probably the biggest thing because i think everybody even if you don't know much about business you just see entrepreneurs and they're like working from the islands or working from miami beach or working from wherever you're just like dang like it's so cool they get like they have so much freedom it's really not freedom yeah and it's like but they still working 
like, working all the time. Working all the time. They're in those nice places. They're by the pool working. Like they're you don't get to clock out. Right. Yeah, like you don't really get to clock out. You don't get to like take breaks. You don't get to like, oh, I'm gonna just turn off my brain for a little bit. I, like you mentioned earlier, I was on vacation in Disney World last week, and we had a meeting. <laughs> like he was, I was, he was, I was like, your background looks different. Because <laughs> you don't get to like, you don't get to not do those things. Like when you work for somebody else, you. You can come do your job and go and go. And then if you for some if for whatever reason you can't do your job, there's a procedure that's already written down. Like there's there somebody else that can there's somebody else for you while you're sick, when you need to be away. Like, and or also real. like the consequences are very limited. Yeah, that's true. Your personal consequences are very limited. Yeah. Like when I was at Guess, which was the last corporate place I was at. Worst case scenario, if I'm like, all right, look, I, I just can't hit this deadline or I don't feel like hitting this deadline or like I don't feel like going to work tomorrow and I know it's like a big meeting <laughs> worst case scenario I might get like told off by my manager or whatever right yeah like you know I might impact like some deliveries with our products getting to stores like all that but like the company will keep going now as an entrepreneur like if I dare try to be like oh I'm not gonna have that meeting when I was in Disney because x y and z I'm not gonna I don't feel like adjusting our ad strategy this week the company could die. Right. Like the consequences are so dire. Mm. That's another thing I didn't really understand before I got into entrepreneurship, where it's like the consequences to all of your choices mm. are so dire. And it's not even dramatic. Like one bad quarter can ruin you, yeah. like ruin your company. Yeah. Like literally, it's like not, it's not even dramatic to say that. You have three bad months in a row and you could be up out of there you looking for another job looking for another job like yeah so it's like and like god forbid you employ people oh my god jobs too right yeah when i eat it exactly so it's like me thinking i was gonna own my time don't have that (laughs) me thinking that like oh like because i remember before i left guests i was like you know what like Oh, I'm just like working myself, stressing myself out for this other company. Like, if I'm gonna stress myself out, it's gonna be to build my own thing. It is a different level of stress when it is your own thing, and it's literally like, yo, not only will the lights be off, but like you won't have money to pay yourself. Mm-hmm. So like you won't have money to eat, mm-hmm. pay your bills. Like, I had a three thousand dollar apartment when I was in LA. Like, mm-hmm. yo, what you mean, Cali? Like, I. I it, the business had to operate like money had to like come in Mm -hmm. or like I wouldn't have been able to survive and that's a different level of pressure entrepreneurship is ghetto like I I hate that it's so glamorized still doing it I do it now because when you tap into your purpose there's just like certain things when you're just like I don't care what I gotta go through Mm -hmm. like at the end of the day like yes all the ghetto shit is like here all like the stress and all that but when I'm doing the thing, when I'm like developing a product and I'm like developing the marketing and actually talking to the guys and connecting with the guys and seeing how they're using it and seeing the reviews, like when we're doing the thing of like planning where the business is going to go in the moments of doing the things like for me, it's like blissful. And because I'm doing the thing that I really love to do as of today as of this point, I'm okay with putting up with, like, all the bullshit, all, like, the craziness of entrepreneurship. Is it temporary? The bullshit, the craziness? Um, I honestly don't know. I feel like everything is in phases. Mm. 
like even with entrepreneurs and some phases you go back to yeah. like there's certain phases That's where it's real. like yo there's you do go back yeah like there's certain phases where it's like yo like it's just a fire after a fire after a fire it's like hectic after hectic after hectic like I have to keep getting on meetings with you, keep getting on meeting with uh, Rachel, our COO, and doing all this stuff. And, oh, there's so much going on. Mm. But then there's sometimes where it's like, damn, I feel bad that I'm only working, like, four hours a day. Right, <laughs> like, right, which right. I was telling you, like, that one, like, little span I went into where I was, like, only working, like, 10 hours a week. I was like, I feel bad. <laughs> but we have put in so much work mm-hmm. to get so many systems in place where I was able to work four hours a day or 15 hours a week. And the business was still growing, not even just surviving. It was growing, like, 30%. Like, but we had put in the work. But, you know, also after that, we had slipped back into a phase where it's like, okay, cool. Like, the landscape is changing right now. Like, Amazon's starting to do these off-peak um, Amazon, whatever they call the days, prime days. They're starting mm-hmm. to do them, like, in the fall now. And, it, like, so it's, like, disrupting the entire retail landscape. Now we need to figure out what we're going to do. Yeah. Cause we got to compete in this new landscape. Mm-hmm. So we went back into all hands on deck, slipped back into that phase of like, just having to figure it out. No stone left unturned mm-hmm. testing all that. So it was like, when you ask like, are the hardships temporary? I think everything is temporary from the hardships to the blissful moments. Mm-hmm. But like those phases intertwine, they go away, they come back. You go to new levels with like new challenges that you didn't even know existed which is why mentorship is so important like people who can see around the corners that you don't even know exist right so i mean it it comes in phases and you go back but then also like you're allowed to have your personal interests change Mm. and so for now like i love the thing i love the doing of building a cosmetics company for men Mm. a couple years from now that might not be the case and at that point, maybe the best option would be to hire a CEO, a CEO to run the company. Yeah. Like I, oh man, so much about like entrepreneurship is so like social media glitz and glam where everybody wants to be the CEO and like mm-hmm. everybody wants to be like the top dog in their business. But like the reality is like you don't have to be. First mm-hmm. off, that job is not a fun job. Yeah. Like. I respect Ben Francis so much. He's one of the co-founders of Gymshark. Okay. And once they got to the point where they, they were, like, growing so fast, they installed a CEO above him, and he took a lesser position in his oh, own company. Oh, shit. But it was in service of the business. He's like, we need somebody and just like, yes, like can do this. The business will be better by having a more experienced CEO there who could do the things that I don't even be know where to begin to right, do right and so like, you know, I'm reacting exactly I'm seeing everything for the first time exactly so I'm 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 fully on board for like not always being the CEO of Cali Handsome like yes I always want to have at least one hand on the steering wheel to like control where we're going to go just because like it's birth from my lived experience and so I think that, like, I will always have to have, like, an imprint on it at these beginning stages. Mm-hmm. Now, at some point, you become, like, a 50-year-old legacy brand, a 100-year-old legacy brand. Like, the DNA is so intertwined there that it doesn't matter, like, who yeah. comes on board to, like, statership. But, like, yeah, so, I mean, like, I can't say 
that I will always be the CEO of Cali Handsome. I can't say that I would want to. Yeah. And I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. I think that is more than okay. So, I mean, we'll see. I think that's so interesting. Hmm. We'll see. But it's, I mean, it's ghetto. But also. Because I'm like, right, can it sound good? But how are you going to feel somebody coming in and they telling you what to do? I mean, again, where I had mentioned before, everything has a cost. Yeah. So it's like the benefit of having a CEO there who could potentially steer the ship in in ways that I might not be skilled to do yet. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes it could just be having a CEO there because I don't want to do that job. Yeah. But when I say everything has a cost, the cost of that is like now you have somebody else making decisions and like you got to let them run with it to a certain degree. So that's like what the cost is. But like if you want to make all the decisions, then you take your ass to work and step into that position. Everything has a cost. So it's like deciding which and Abu says this all the time. Shout out to Abu. Shout out to Abu. Saying what you want also means like you're subconsciously saying what you don't want or what you're willing to give up. Like you don't get to have it all like you Mm. don't not at the same time you Mm. don't get to have it all everything has a cost you want the freedom by like not being hands-on with your business and having a ceo there the cost is somebody else is going to be making decisions that influence that company and you just got to live with it and again if you don't like it take your ass to work right but the cost is now you don't get your freedom now you're like in the business every day all day you know what i mean so I don't know. Damn. Like, I want you, I just wonder if that changes once we're doing less work. Because I feel like at the stages that we are in our business, we're more than just a CEO, right? 100%. Like, you're CEO, you're developing the product, you're doing, yeah, everything. You're doing, doing all of it, you're doing everything. So, like, what does that look like when you have people in those other positions and then you truly get to be just a CEO? Um,. Honestly, maybe you don't like maybe it is maybe you do like the job of CEO. Maybe you just don't like the job of doing everything that's marketing. <laughs> no, that's very true. That's very true. Cause I love the sport of business, but it's like you can get or I'll speak in the first person, I get worn out by having to do so many other things that I don't like to do. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Like people think that once you become an entrepreneur, you only do things you want to do. Yeah. And that's the oh. I don't know how the fuck I became an oh. IT person, but I'm an IT girl. Yeah. I'm like troubleshooting computer stuff. Yeah. I be in, you, I don't like, I'm what? so glad you said that because that is a big, that that is something I wish everybody knew before getting into entrepreneurship. Like you are going to have to do the you things that do you don't it, like to that do, do, that you don't want to do, that you don't know how to do. For a period of time. For a period of time. You're going to have to like, you literally are going to have to. Like, you're going to have... I was rolling up my sleeve, packing and boxing right. and shipping up our own orders for three Delivery. years. Clean up. Literally. I got to... I'll take the trash out. Everything. Right. In the office. Everything. So, these people now that, like, want to... Like, oh, man, I just... I know I keep going back to it, but, like, I just... It pains me to see the way entrepreneurship is so glamorized on social media. Granted... I I do appreciate entrepreneurship and I love that people are becoming more aware to more aware that there's so many more routes for their career to go. You don't have to work at a job that you don't like. You don't have to work for a particular company and you can also make a lot of money off of your own passions. Whether that's like launching a company 
as a side company or doing your own thing. Like there's so many ways to do it, but at least the one good thing coming out of people glamorizing entrepreneurship on social media is like now people are like, oh, well, I always make my own this. Maybe I can make a company. Maybe I have something that other people want to buy because nine times out of 10, maybe not nine times out of 10, but like maybe 50% of the time, like there's a chance that if you like it, somebody else will like it too. So I do like that aspect of the whole like glamorized social media CEOs. But I think people just need to know more about like the gritty, messy, grimy shit of it. That's what we're doing here. Like just letting people know the real. Like like you see, I see entrepreneurs that say they're driving nice cars. They be having nice bags and stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, like it's at fancy dinners. I'm like. First of all, most of that shit is financed on credit anyway listen most of it is financed on credit anyway it's not coming from their businesses Mm -hmm. most people don't have profitable businesses even if they have businesses that are growing and like i had to i had to get this through my own head one from a place of like stop comparing myself to these other people's businesses when they're posting their sales numbers and i'm like damn but they're doing x y and z because you don't know what their profit is right like you can make a hundred thousand dollars in a year but if you spent 150 to do it in marketing <laughs> then it's like you actually in the hole for 50 grand you know what i mean like yeah you could make a million but if you spent two million to get there then you actually are in the hole for a million like you didn't make any money so like is I, but it also depends on what your strategy was if your strategy was growth at all costs and then try to get no there's a million ways to to slice the pie. Right. But like I had to stop myself from compare. I had to stop comparing myself to like the highlight reels that other people were posting. Literally the highlight. Because you don't know every shout out to my friend David, um, founder of Good Light Cosmetics. Shout out to their large rollout at Ulta's now. They're like in over 800 yeah. doors. But like he used to always tell me, too. And just like when, when I hit my first ten thousand dollar month. He was like, yo, celebrate this moment. It's so good. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm trying to be where like y'all at and this, that, and the third. And he just kept it real and said, hey, a lot of the shit you see is smoke and mirrors. Mm. Like a lot of the shit you see is smoke and mirrors. And like what we just talked about, like, yes, somebody can post making a quarter million or a half a million, but like they're not talking about what the profit was. So a lot of people aren't making profit. Right. You know what I mean? And like even um, I was at a booze power year launch conference down in Atlanta and Kim Lewis took the stage and she's the founder of Curl Mix. Okay. Um, shout out to them who also just launched in Ulta. Yeah. Everybody launching at Ulta right now. It's just like I'm here get, for it. Yeah. You get a space. But she was on stage and she kept it real and was like, listen, I remember the, the first month I did three million dollars. That next month we had zero dollars in the bank mm. and had to go through layoffs. So it's like you just never know. But everybody was like applauding, like, oh, my God, y'all hit three million in a month. Milestone breakthrough. And it's great. And it really is. But she also kept it real with us and was like, yo, that very next month, I literally had zero dollars in the bank. Had to go through layoffs, had to run up the credit cards. So it's like a lot of the stuff that you see and people posting these nice cars and all this, that. And a third, like a lot of people are not making that from profits on their business. Yeah. They're putting their business further in the hole by trying to keep up with a certain image. Mm. And they putting all that shit on credit cards. And they putting all that shit on credit cards. All that shit on credit cards. That's real. Like, and yes, sometimes it'd be like that. Like, there was definitely a time for me where I had to put my rent on credit card for a few months. Yeah. Sometimes, like, you just 
And so, like, I get it. But that's why I'm telling people, like, I'm not saying not to look up to people because it you, in, having inspirational figures are important and having people do things and show you that it's possible is important. Mm-hmm. But the problem becomes like where you start to compare yourself or judge yourself or look down on yourself because you don't have what somebody else has. Or what you think they have. Or what you think they have. Like, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. Like, even, you know, there was like a good four months going through like a rough period in L.A. where that beautiful $3,000 a month apartment I had the rent was paid on a credit card for a good three to four months. But that's the thing, like, people would never know. They just was like, oh, my God, like, oh, he's so rich. And, like, I love his apartment. I wish I had his life. Like, not during those three, four months. And Rocky always out drinking espresso martini. I know. (laughs) But I'm like, not through those three, four months. And everybody's like, yo, you really cutting back on there. You must be really focused on your body now. Like, no, I went through a tough time and was broke as shit. (laughs) But I was locked into the lease, so I couldn't move. Right, right. And at that point, like, yeah, I loved my apartment, and it was my dream apartment. But at that three to four months, it felt like a golden cage mm-hmm. because I didn't. It was it was keeping me in a place that I didn't even know how to get out from financially. Like I was just like, yo, what the what the fuck is going on here, you know? But everybody else, like, oh, like, yo, this is great. Like, why you pull back on social media? Because I'm not happy, and I don't want to pretend to be. Right. And, like, no, I'm not going out to dinner. And it's not from me worried about my body at that point. It's just, like, I didn't have the fucking money to. You know what I mean? And that is the reality of entrepreneurship. You can hit these rough points where it's just, like, what's more important? You are the survival of your company. Mm. Or, furthermore, what's more important? Because you are always most important. What's more important, like, protecting a certain lifestyle that you enjoy? Mm. Or the survival of your company. Like, you have to make tough choices. And I've made those choices a lot. As you know, like, being my accountant personally and for the business, like, I've made tough choices a lot. And even, like, when I chose to leave L.A. and come back to Jersey and move back into my family's home Mm -hmm. to pour everything back into the business, you know. And, like, those are the sacrifices that people. Those are the sacrifices. Like, Like, when I left home at 18, I'd never gone back. But here I was going back at a, as a 30-year-old because I knew for my business to get to the next level, I needed to pour more profits back into the business. And before I came back home, like, I was cool. Like, from a financial standpoint, I was cool, but also I knew that, like, the company wasn't cool. It wasn't where it could be because my focus was, like, getting these influencer checks and doing this, that, and the third. But, like... Everything at a cost. Everything at a cost, Right everything at a cost so yes i had this beautiful la lifestyle and apartment but like that was not funded by my company mm. it was funded by like the influencer deals and all this other things and like me just knowing where i wanted my life to go yeah. like i knew i needed to make that sacrifice of like okay like what can i do to get my company to the next level okay i need to pay myself less so i can pour more money back into the company okay how do i pay myself less i need to lower my expenses what's my biggest biggest expense rent how do I get rid of rent? Move home. Yeah, Rocky. Very I have simple. A question for you. Yeah. What cost is you moving to Korea? Like, what are you giving up for oh. you to be able to experience that? Um, a lot of things. Me moving to Korea. How is that going to impact your business? I would file it under one of those things that we talked about earlier. Where we're like, some decisions you make don't make sense on paper right now. <laughs> <laughs> some decisions that you make 
<laughs> might not make sense on paper right now, but you just have to have the foresight. You got to have the foresight. Yeah, and so for me, moving to Korea might not make sense on paper right now. But the reality is, and the foresight is, especially after I went to visit for two weeks, South Korea is the beauty capital of the world. Mm -hmm. Like all the innovation in skincare, cosmetics, all of that. Like, and it's the most competitive from like a beauty standard society. And so the brands that compete there are like competing at the highest level of the world. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when I was there, even being in that space, I was seeing a different level of performance. Mm -hmm. And that was directly... And myself in the competitive landscape, and it was directly influencing, like, even the content I was building for the brand. Like, it just was a different level. And so it opened me up in such a just, it expanded what I thought the company could be. Like, it literally expanded what I thought the company could be in so many different ways. Creatively, financially, like, it just showed me a different, image like i thought i knew what the dream picture was but then you like look at it under new lighting you're like oh this castle got more layers that's why you gotta experience them that's why you have to experience them it's so much shit out there that you like you you there's only but so much we have the capacity to dream exactly but just because like think about all the stuff out there that we can't even dream up yet you got to put yourself in the you places do. to be able to unlock you do. that part of your brain. Because unfortunately, we limit it to what we can see. Exactly. Which makes sense, though. You see. Yeah. You can now dream I mean, more. it's hard. You can't dream about something that you just can't even fathom. That you don't even know. is like. Yeah. Like, so it's like, I mean, like the cavemen back in the day couldn't even dream of flying in an airplane. Right? Like, they could have never <laughs> even, nobody's wildest dream could have been that back in right. the prehistoric times so it's like for me with korea is like the foresight of it is us developing the the next sort of evolution of the company mm. in this space with the best of the best mm. and like from a creativity standpoint certainly from a product development standpoint mm. And then I think also to me, because the company is driven so much by me that like it's important for me to be the sharpest and the best version of myself. And like, like I said, even as being there for two weeks, so many of like my education about the beauty industry increased so much. Mm. I mean, the products that I were using increased so much. Mm. My habits for beauty habits and grooming habits increased so much. Like everything and even and it's crazy because like after living in LA for six years you think of like oh yeah like visuals are important beauty standards are high nothing compared to South Korea Mm. absolutely nothing and so the benefits for me are definitely a foresight thing Mm. it's definitely one of those things where it's like on paper it might not make sense now but I'm trusting in the foresight that I know it's going to be good for us in the long run. And I'm also leaving space for the opportunities that I can't even imagine right now. Right. Like, I don't know exactly what all the benefits will be for me living in South Korea while I develop the next version of our company. Mm-hmm. I can't even begin to fathom. I just know that is the environment that I feel the most inspired, the most creatively feel, and the most business feel when it comes to, like, 
fulfilled business-wise when it comes to like building a cosmetics brand mm-hmm. because I'm next to people who just do this shit all day long. Right. And they're doing it at such levels I've never seen before. And so, like, I want to compete with the best of the best. I want to be where the best of the best are. I want to study next to them. I want to shop next to them. Like, I want to train next to them. Like, how do you be the best basketball player in the world without training with the NBA players? Like, you just can't do that. You got to train with the best of the best, be where the best of the best are. And so, for me, the number one reason for me moving to Seoul, South Korea, is to literally take me and put me in the environment where the best of the best in the beauty industry are and just see what the fuck happens. Wow. And we'll see what the fuck happens. <laughs> I am literally so inspired by you always. <sighs> see, and you know, it's it's also like not a simple choice. It's not an easy choice. And it is n- not without fear. Mm. Like you've been talking me off cliffs. Like I, it's, <laughs> it's, I don't even want to sit here and pretend like, oh yeah, I'm just so bold and so confident and like, yeah, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna decide to do it and I'm, I'm gonna do it. Like, yes, when you boil down everything, it is as simple as deciding it and doing it, but it comes with a lot of anxiety and fear because it's a lot of risk as well. And like I told you last week and like to all y'all listening, I'm, I'm very aware that this decision is bringing a lot of risk to me and to the company. I'm very well aware of those things. But like the best thing you could do for yourself, for your company or whatever you want to do is be aware of all the things and then just try to navigate it as best you can. Like I never want to see a challenge or see an obstacle or see a potential risk and be like, oh, it could go bad, so I'm not even going to try. No. Right. Like, yes, it could go bad, but it like, could go well. like, it what could if go it, well. Right. What if I fail? What if you fly? What if I don't? Right. Well, what if we don't, like, business starts downtrending and it, what if business triples? Right. Like, you know what I mean? So I'm not, I'm not at a place where I'm like, I'm 100% confident that it's going to work out. Like, but for me, just like, with the president of the United States. I don't know if this is true or not, but they say all the best that they can hope for is to be 51% right before they make a wartime decision. Mm-hmm. Like, are you 51% sure that that's the target? You'll never get more than that. For me, If I, as long as I could feel a good, it ain't even 80, to be honest. If I could feel like a good 60, 70% comfortable and confident behind a choice, I'm okay with making it. Because I don't think in business, things change so much. You can never be 100% sure. You can't be 100% sure. And I think that, I think a lot of the things that we're talking about, I often wonder if like, does everybody have what it takes to be an entrepreneur or a business owner? Oh. I think that it requires mm. so many things that you're talking about. We talked about being a visionary. So many of the things we discussed today is about insight, foresight, foresight. intuition. Not everybody has Risk that, tolerance. Right? Risk tolerance, right? Mm. Like understanding that. Passion. Sometimes you have to make a decision and you don't have all the facts. What do you Most do of the time. Right? Like you can't wait until you, it stifles progress, right? It like does. if you can't allow, it but does. not everybody has that yeah. within them. And how do you develop it? Like, I don't know. Read some books. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah. It was also another thing too that I would add into that list that I didn't really consider before I became an entrepreneur is like, you also have to be comfortable in the spaces where like, you can clearly see the downside, mm. but you can't always even imagine the upside. Mm. 
again, Korea, I could see the risk of what can happen four or five months down the line. But I I can't put on paper what the upside will be as of this moment. Mm. That's why we said like on paper it doesn't make sense right now. Right. But it's like you just have to trust that like yeah, this is the right decision and whatever. So it's like be, as an entrepreneur, being able to stomach, like have a high risk tolerance and just being able to trust that like, look. Sometimes you got to trust that thing that was put in your brain and you can't stop thinking about it. And you don't know why no, you can't stop thinking about that it. That is literally I guess I got to do it. And I don't know why I got to do it, but it just keeps, my mind just keeps going back to that. So that got to be what I'm supposed to do. Korea. It got to be what I'm supposed to do. Literally, that is me in Korea. Literally. (laughs) Like, it's literally important to have a certain level of it. And that's literally me in South Korea. But like, to what you said earlier, I I don't think entrepreneurship is for everybody. And that's okay. Mm. I think usually when I see people say entrepreneurship is not for everybody, it's almost kind of like a dig or separating people into two classes of like those who can hack it as an entrepreneur and those who can't even hack it. Mm. No, it's not being cut out for entrepreneurship does not mean that you are less than people who are by any means. But I I can't have a whole bunch of entrepreneurs. Exactly. Exactly. My business, you know? And so with that being said, like, no, I don't think entrepreneurship is for everybody. And I think that's more than okay. I think, I think more than that okay. one of the points that I didn't make is you talked about how um, social media has glamorized it mm. and you enjoy the fact that it has put people in a position where they can now start thinking about like, mm. oh, maybe this. I think that ownership is something that we should mm. see um, mm. for everybody. And I think that we need to explore the different ways that ownership can show up in your life. Because yes. it's not just about yes. owning your own yes. business, right? Yes. Like, do you own your own home, right? Do you own assets? Do you, like, have a side hustle? Do you have a rental property? Do you have a vending machine? Yes. That doesn't require yes, yes. you to run a whole business. Yes. Because what I'm learning, like, having a side hustle is very different than trying to grow and scale a business, right? It like, is ownership. very different. But me having a side hustle is how I was able to buy my first property. Mm. It was the cash I had in the bank for my side hustle. Mm. It wasn't my nine. I was making six figures and that wouldn't have been enough. Yeah, yeah, right? It was yeah. the side hustle money that helped me get in the home ownership lane, right? Yeah. So I think it's just, I think we need to leave the word entrepreneurship out and think about ownership and um, focus on that. 100%. I mean, even for me personally, like that is my focus now and going forward where it's like after Callie Handsome, I don't intend to ever start another company again. <laughs> now I do want ownership of other businesses. Like I totally want to invest. And even if somebody's just starting out, like I'll come in as an investor and own a piece of that business. Yo, Rocky say that now. Like, somebody come buy Callie Handsome for a billion dollars and then he on to the next business. Which is crazy is like Someone, like, my best friend, I asked me, this was, like, last summer, not last summer, back in June when we first started getting, like, investor attention. And he was like, oh, just, you know, I'm just asking, like, if you were to sell Cali Handsome for, say, like, $500 million and you just didn't have to worry about work at all, like, if you were to do that today, what would you want to do tomorrow? And I was like, damn, I would want (laughs) to build a men's cosmetic business. So then it's like, why would you sell the thing that you want to do? And that's what I'm saying. It goes back to like earlier when you were just like, why do you do it? It's because I'm 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 so fulfilled in the doing of what I'm doing. Like I love cosmetics. I love that 
guys are getting introduced to them. I love that the men's beauty industry is growing. And I love that because my lived experience is my competitive advantage, being is that like I'm a guy who has the same pain points as all the other guys and I know how to use cosmetics to solve those pain points in a very subtle way and all those things I'm a great sort of introduction or I'm a great um I guess guide for guys to see how they could do it too and I think that's what makes me uniquely positioned to build a men's beauty business and I'm so in love with that and I'm I'm so just in tune with that and align with that, that I'm willing to to bet it all on black. Like I'm literally willing to risk it all for that. And not even just like in talk to talk. In four days, I will be risking it all and literally moving to the other side of the globe. Like not even just for a couple of months. Like I'm literally moving there full time to bet it all on black, all on this mission that is like in my heart, mm. in my head that I'm so inspired by, I'm thrilled by. Like, even now, I'm, like, energized now talking about it. you glowing. So it's like, yo, like, I'm so aligned with what I'm doing that, like, everything else just doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, even my parents are just like, well, yes, but, like, what if this, what if that? Even when I had the, when we had our um, monthly accounting meeting last week and I was even running through like, oh, what if this, what if that? At the end of the day, and sometimes I lose sight of it too, which is important that I have people like you to remind me of it. But at the end of the day, like when you're aligned with what you're supposed to be doing and you know you're making the the best decision that you can make in any given moment, the rest is, everything else doesn't matter. Everything else really doesn't matter. I'm choosing to trust that I'm making the best decisions right now. I'm maximizing the moment right now. And as a result of this, everything will work itself out as we move forward. I mean, that's all you can do anyway. Interestingly interestingly enough, too, Callie Handsome started really getting better when I stopped being so focused on, like, the big long-term picture. Mm. And I actually started focused on, like, what are my outputs for the month, the week, and the day? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I just win today? How do I win this week? Mm-hmm. But before me, like, oh, my God, I want to grow sales 40%. I want to grow this, that, and a third. You get stressed out looking at the numbers and things aren't going the way you want to. But, like, when Gamal Kodner, shout out to Gamal, um, founder of Fresh Heritage, literally transformed just my mental process. Mm-hmm. But, like, when he was just like, hey, you can just get so much further by focusing on less. Like, Mm. just focus on, like, what are your inputs? Like, how do you just increase sales from what you can do this week? Mm. And, like, by being so narrow-minded and focusing on, like, how do we win the day? How do we win the week? Like, win enough days, you win the week. Win enough weeks, you win the month. Win enough enough months, you win the quarter, you win the year. So it's just like, yes have an idea of the big picture but like there is so much power and strength of just being hyper present and maximizing what's in front of you right now right and so that's why like oh you're going to korea and like i know you you good for now but like what's gonna happen but like what's gonna happen in um a few months of like things don't go well well if i maximize the moment right now (laughs) then things will go well. Right. If I keep maximizing the month that's in front of me, then the quarter will go well. Mm-hmm. Then the year will go well. So, like, that's what I'm choosing to do. Yeah, well, I love that. And I think that's a great place for us to wrap up. 
Yes. Yeah, and then we'll do a part two when you come back. I uh, know. Yeah, yeah. I'll be back in like a. I mean, I'll come back to visit in a year. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, I'm so inspired by you. Please tell everybody you. where they can find you, where they can keep up with you. I'm excited for the fire content we're going to get while you in. Oh, baby. So let the people know where they can find you in the biz and how they can support you. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram at the Rocky Collins, um, T-H-E-R-O-C-K-Y-C-O-L-L-I-N-S. Um, the business is CaliHandsome.com, and that's Cali, like California, C-A-L-I. And then Handsome is missing the first two vowels, so it's H-N-D-S-M-E. The business CaliHandsome.com. The Instagram is at CaliHandsome. Um, yeah. You can also get your products on Amazon. Yes. So you can get the products on CaliHandsome.com. You can get them on Amazon. Um, you can get them on Instagram shop, Facebook shop. Yeah. And stay tuned. Uh, we'll be doing like a lot of beauty content, grooming content. Definitely um, a lot of building a business content so that way people can see more of like what does it actually look like and feel like but also which we didn't go too too deep into this but we definitely touched on it i'm at the point now in my career where like i'm getting back into pouring into me on a personal level too like rocky collins the ceo and rocky collins like the person they can both exist at the same time like i don't have to sacrifice my personal fulfillment and happiness to like only think about Callie hands i'm 24 7 right i have personal passions that i can pour into which is i'm literally studying the korean language literally at a korean university in korea, in korea. that's wild so it's like y'all gonna see me learning the korean language at university too like you're gonna see the business but like i'm definitely getting back into leaning into the things that make rocky collins the person happy i love this thank you yeah. so much for sharing <laughs> all of the insight yeah, i hope it was helpful literally i've learned so much like yeah. like sitting here like i wish i had my notebook because uh. <laughs> i can't wait to, yeah. to play this back um thank you yeah so nah much. thank you for having me of I'm course like, you know Everybody out there, Khadija already knows, like, I'm a super open book. Like, you can message me, you can comment, you can ask me questions. There's literally nothing off limits for me just because I feel like I wish I had a resource to tell me things that people weren't talking about, which is why I'm so adamant about talking about those things now. Yeah. And it's not to be pessimistic or scary, but it's to be real, to help you be better prepared and nothing that I say is to stop people from getting into entrepreneurship, but it's like, I just want you to be aware so that way you can do it in a better way than I did. And hopefully you can have less of a hardship than I had. Yeah. No, I feel that. And that's the point of this podcast for sure. Yeah. How do we just share the real so that people can have as much information as possible when making exactly. an informed decision? Because like, Choosing to be an entrepreneur is not a decision that you should take lightly. 100%. Because um, it can consume you and it is life-changing, right? Yeah. Like, it's, like, sure. it's like nothing I've ever done. Yeah. I was, sorry, I just want to say one last thing because you just reminded me when you said consumed me. The last thing I'll leave y'all with, and this is like a super just real moment that like I never thought would happen to me. But there was a time where the company completely consumed me to the point where, like, my entire identity was wrapped up in a Cali Handsome. Mm. And it was fall of 2022. And at that time, like, the business had started to, like, 
have some troubles. It was like right after we had like the best November we'd ever had. But by consequence, I wasn't prepared for it. Like mm. too strong of business could be bad too when you're not prepared. When you're not ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the growth was choking our business. And I remember at that time feeling like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. And like, if Callie Handsome goes away and like fails and dies, like, what's the purpose of me being here? Mm. Like on some real shit. I literally was like, what is Rocky Collins without, without Callie Handsome? Mm. Like, I don't want to live if Callie Handsome is not here. Like it was, it was a very, very bad place of like letting my personal identity be so wrapped up into my company. And by consequence, every time somebody would ask, oh, how are you doing? It was all dependent on the business. business. If mm. business was good, oh, I'm doing good. If business was bad, I hate my life. It's terrible, da-da-da-da. But the scary point came when, like, I really was facing, like, Callie Hansen might have gone bottoms up. And I really was like, I don't know if I want to be in the world mm. if my business goes bottom up. Like, I don't know if I want to continue living. I don't know if I want to wake up tomorrow. Like, I didn't, I was just, I was... I felt like I was Callie Handsome. So if Callie Handsome was no more, then Rocky Collins is no more. Right. And that was such a dangerous, dangerous place to be in. And I'm just grateful that I have friends who are also, and shout out to my friend Jackie. I was at Complex Con and we were having brunch before going into one of the sessions. And I was talking to her about how I was feeling. And she literally was like, yo, even if you didn't have a penny to your name and you was on the streets, like the light of Rocky Collins will never go yeah. away because so that's you're who like, you Look, are. Right, right. <laughs> but like when you're so in it and you know, like when you're so in it and you care so deeply about your company and you invest so much that like sometimes like you could become all mm. consumed. And I think there's a healthy boundary and there's a healthy balance, but yeah, that was definitely one of those times in my life where I was just like, oh, I got to pull. I, I have to get myself out of this place. And I also have to make sure that I never get back into that place mm. again, which is why I started pouring back into myself. And then literally right after that, I started studying Korean. I started mm. getting into K-pop and K-dramas because I had to find happiness that was not tied to money, not tied to my business doing well. Like me learning Korean at that time, I didn't know what leads me living there, but it was how do I just get better at something that has nothing to do with anything mm-hmm. about my lifestyle? And that was like what saved me. <laughs> like not even to be dramatic. I think that is what saved my life because mm-hmm. it gave me a sense of fulfillment that wasn't tied to like business trends or whatever. But yeah. That was real. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. I appreciate that. No, and that just sure. makes me even more excited for your trip to Korea. Like, what the hell is about to come out of this? Ain't that crazy how that happened? Like, I found studying the Korean language and getting into K-pop and K-dramas when I was at my lowest and almost considering, like, not even being on this earth anymore. And that helped pull me out of that dark place. And then that led to me, like, really getting fulfillment out of, like, progressing better in the language, which led to me taking the proficiency exam and going to visit which led to me realizing how I felt when I was there, which led to me moving there. Mm. Like, it's crazy how those things lined up in that way. But, Mm. yeah. Oh, my God. Well, thank you so much, Rocky. Yeah. Can't wait to have you back once you come back from Korea. I know. Listen, there will always be a spot for you here. I appreciate it. To everyone listening, um, you know where you can find Rocky. You know where you can find me. It'll be in the show notes. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks, everybody.